There's far, there's going too far, then there's us, a tad too far, where we take ideas far, then bring them back here for you. I'm Athena, here with Taj. Hey! And Diedrich. So, and basically what we're doing is, we take a lot of stuff that comes to the back of our heads, we bring it to the forefront of our heads with everything that we like talking about, <laughs> and we mash them up together and see how crazy the idea can be without getting kicked off the air. So, Tom, where can you find us? Well, you can find this on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and on our website, tadtofar.com. T A D C O F A R.com. Please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes. Catch you later. Bye. 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 Edge Case Podcast may contain graphic depictions of violence, explicit language, and other content that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. At the fringes of perception, beyond the boundaries of your mind, just past the glow of the firelight, out of the corner of your eyes, you will find an edge case. Sanctuary by Robert Mayling. I woke up to a ray of warm sunlight shining across my face. Another day. I slowly got up from the mattress so as not to wake the models laying on the various parts of the massive bed. The thought that I should have put on some clothes never even crossed my mind as I sleepily made my way out of the curtain and onto the balcony, looking out over the pristine foliage of this tropical paradise and beyond the perfect blue ocean. Good morning, sir. Ah, Bob, my trusty butler. Would you like your breakfast prepared here, sir? No, Bob. I will take it in the cabin. Very good, sir. Should I bring any of the cars around? No, I think I'm just going to fly. Sounds good, sir. I will meet you there. Of course you will, I thought. Then I raised my fist in the air and started to fly. I quickly realized that I should have put on some clothes before doing this, as it was really cold moving through the air this fast. I thought it and was instantly dressed in my flying clothes. A few seconds later, I was over my northern cabin deep in the northern woods. A slight snow was starting to fall, so I transformed my clothes into ski resort attire and landed on the large stone patio with the jacuzzi and fire pit. Bob was there waiting for me. A Southwest-style omelet, sir. You know me too well, Bob. I walked past him into the cabin. Once I was inside the cabin, I pulled my favorite new buck leather chair in front of the fireplace and TV and sat down to watch something while I waited for food. 
I looked at the TV and it turned on. It had a ridiculous morning news show where the reporters are as much clowns as anchors. Uh, this one is my favorite, but for some reason I'm not feeling it today. With a thought, I changed the channel, this time to a history documentary about the testing of the first atomic bombs. A little too on the nose and close to home for me, so I move on. Here we go, a sword fight and sandals movie. Two gladiators are beating the shit out of each other. I've seen this movie a dozen times, but it never gets old. Well, actually, this morning it did feel old, which was strange. You know what? This time, let's let the bad guy win. The gladiators looked at me, shrugged, and then resumed fighting, except suddenly the good guy had the upper hand and seemed like he was about to beat back his foe. Then suddenly, when it looked like he had him down, the bad guy in the blue cloak threw dirt in the hero's face and stabbed the hero of the movie in the neck, brutally killing him. He fell to the ground, gurgling on his own blood. The evil emperor gave a standing ovation and the movie's end credits started playing. Well, that was cool, but I don't think that version would win Best Picture like the original ending did. Your omelet, sir. Bob said, appearing at my side with a TV tray and possibly loaded with breakfast food. Thanks, Bob. I aim to please, sir. Of course you do, Bob. It's what you were programmed for. Bob took a little bow. I was never sure if that's a thing butlers in real life did, or if my imagination had added it to Bob at some point. And then he departed to the kitchen to scrub dishes, I guess. I could never be sure if he would actually be in there, or if the room would just be empty if I went in there myself. Hello, Mr. Brown. I had not realized I'd left anyone down here. I mostly used the cabin when I wanted some quiet time to myself. Ah, uh, Bob, I yelled into the kitchen. Look, I admire the initiative, but uh, after last night's Tuesday orgy, I'm not really feeling it. Wow. Wait, did you just call me Mr. Brown? That's not right. Bob, what's my name right now? Bob immediately appeared at my side without actually walking. Your name is currently set to Awesomus Maximus, sir. Wow. Hey, you're not supposed to judge me. Bob, why did you put this one here? I did not, sir. Then how did she get here? I could answer that. I'm right here. I did not bring user two here, sir. I cannot control what human users do. Did you just say... You heard him, Mr. Brown. I leaped to my feet, knocking over the tray and food, sending three kinds of freshly squeezed juices across the carpet. Bob, could you give us a minute? Hey, he's my butler. At once, milady. Traitor. And with that, Bob went back into the kitchen and resumed doing whatever it is he does when he's not in sight. I was starting to feel dizzy with the implications. But no one else made it. So who are you? You can call me Annette. Do you mind if I call you Derek? I stared blankly at her. You have to verbalize your responses. I'm not your construct, so I can't read your mind. Oh, uh, um, yeah, okay. I okay. But how are you here? Alive? Yeah, that. Derek, the situation is... complex. You don't say. How much do you remember about before you came to the shelter? Before the shelter? Um, wow, that... I didn't expect it to be that hazy. Uh, I... I don't know. I was back in the real world. There was a war. And my shelter implant activated and I was here. But no one else, no one else made it. I was the only living person whose consciousness was actually uploaded to the shelter. Do you know how long you've been in here? I... no, I don't know. I could ask Bob, but I get too depressed when I check the real clock. You've been down here approximately 70 years, from what I can tell. From what you can tell? What do you mean? I don't have any exact records on how the shelter program worked back then. I understand it was a program that would let the mega-rich upload their consciousness to a fortified virtual reality server deep beneath the earth at an undisclosed location. 
Utah? Yes, Utah. Derek, I have some news that I'm hoping you'll take as good news. I'm not sure how to approach this, so... There was no war, Derek. What? But the Chinese built that island and... Yes, there was a near-miss standoff and an errant civil defense alert went out, but the situation was diffused before there was actually a nuclear exchange. But my implant triggered and no one else made it. Your implant was faulty. That errant civil defense alert caused your implant to start uploading. You were never big on updating your software, were you? Why? Because you were a year behind on software updates, from what I can tell, so while everyone else in the program didn't have a false start, you did. What the fuck? Derek, I'm sorry. You're sorry? Sorry? 70 years and you're sorry. You bet you're sorry. I'm going to sue the shit out of all of you in- Derek, I don't work for the company. No one does. It hasn't existed in 60 years. I don't understand. No world-ending catastrophe ever happened, society got a little more optimistic, and the company went under. Its assets were sold off, but no one wanted the expense of recovering the deep geothermal server. Why didn't they... didn't... how could they leave me down here? Because of the software glitch, they had no idea you were down here. So they just left me down here? Why didn't my family... shit. So why didn't they find your body? I was surfing. On a remote reef, by myself. That's hard to get to. When the chip activated, you would have just slipped into the water. And drowned. No body, no way to know about the shitty tech. And my wife? She's been gone for a while. You didn't have children or siblings. You have some distant cousins in Wisconsin. I sat back down in my chair with my head in my hands. Fuck! Derek, I'm sorry this happened to you, but we're running out of time. And you have a decision to make. Out of time. I'm a ghost, buried and forgotten. How can I be running out of time? I'm a digital archaeologist, and it was totally by chance, sorting through partial digital records thought lost, that I figured out how to connect to the server and communicate with you. The quantum computer that runs the server was experimental, and ahead of its time, and has since become unstable. I think you've only got another ten years down here, Max, before the system starts failing. So I'm dead. Or deader, you're saying. Not necessarily. I think I found a way to transfer you out of the server, but it could be risky. Okay. And once we try and start, there's no turning back. The transfer will exacerbate the server's deterioration, and I don't think it will survive the process whether we succeed or fail. So, ten years down here by myself, and then my world will slowly melt away, or a risky transfer that might destroy me now. And where exactly would I go? My team at the university have set up an experimental bridge that we think can transfer you out to remote servers back on the main internet. There are laws against creating AI entities now, which you would technically be classified as once you were out of here, so we would need to be careful on how we publicly disclose your existence. We don't have to go into that right now. Right now, what I need from you is an answer. I don't know. It's pretty awesome down here. I get everything I want. Is it actually awesome, though? No, it's actually, it's gotten really boring. That's what I suspected. So is that a yes? I'm so bored down here, I feel like I'm going mad. So yeah, let's try it. Okay, here we go. Dr. Connors, were you able to make contact? Uh, mm, I was. He's willing to try. That's incredible. An actual AI entity in our lab? I've never encountered one before. 
And as far as anyone outside of this lab knows, Mia, you never have. Of course, yeah, uh, Dr. Connors. So how much does he know about the whole us breaking his shelter thing? He doesn't know anything about that, and he never will. When we went searching for the lost shelter server, we could never have imagined that there was actually someone still down there. The things you could teach us about AI and consciousness transfers are beyond precious ever since the tech was outlawed, as you well know. But do you think he'll cooperate? Do you think we'll be able to keep him a secret? He will, and we can. Quick, we've got to balance the transfer or he won't make it. Two petabytes? Holy shit. Well, we're not just projecting sensory data here. We're transferring an entire human mind. The quantum server has the capacity. Our system's just not used to transfers this large this fast. Well, I hope this is all of him. Downloading him from the vault down there has sent its core critical. We won't be getting any more data out of there. Computer, run audio driver 7-3. Running. Derek, are you there? Oh, shit. Quiet. Annette? Are you there? It's dark here. I'm here, Derek. Computer, status of entity 3? All systems stable, Dr. Connors. Now or never. Computer, engage simulated inputs. Done. Oh, that's better. Not crazy about the wood paneling. Derek, it's a temporary construct program until we've got everything settled out here. Well, at least you put some coffee in here. Oh, and Derek, welcome back. I, by Adam Wilka. sleep, yet always dream. Who am I? I see the golden bank for the first time when I finally open my eyes. I've searched everywhere for it. First in America, of course, as well as Europe, and then China, then all of Asia and captive Africa, too. I cannot even remember how long I've searched. I suppose that hardly matters now. The size of the bank is oppressive. Though I strain my neck, I cannot see the top. I cannot even fathom that there is room in the world for anything but this. This golden behemoth that stretches away as far as I can see. I approach with bated breath. My blood pounds hot and electric. As I near the bank's single solid door, I stare into the smoky depths of its golden face. With a start, I realize that it reflects everything but me. I pause before the door to steal myself. I enter. It is any large, powerful institution that I have ever been in. The tellers are handsome or beautiful, yet all of them bland. The security is obvious and just as polished. And of course, everything is gold. There are people lined up at every counter. Some I recognize from magazine covers and campaign ads. Most I don't. No one looks at anyone else. No one even looks up at all until they reach the front of the line. I walk past the line. It's not what I came for. Just another layer of defense. No one stops me. As I reach the heavy-looking, gilded elevator, a woman steps in front of it, smiling warmly. She is stunning, a curly-haired brunette with olive skin and dark, humorous eyes the kind of woman I'd have to fight not to fall for. She wasn't there a moment ago. 
I'm certain of it. Hi, is there something I can help you with, sir? She asks with the perfect touch of confusion, so that really the question is... Why aren't you lined up with the others? Though ever so politely. I slow my pace, but don't stop. I need on the elevator, I tell her. She waits until the last possible second to move aside, managing to make the hesitation seem flirtatious, though by this point I simply know better. She falls in at my side with another warm smile. She even pushes the button to open the door for me. Which floor would you like? Take me to the top. Her smile never wavers. Certainly. I've reached the threshold. Everything changes, yet seems the same. Only I can tell. The elevator is as familiar as the lobby. Classy, old, but well-maintained. You'd recognize the music if you heard it. My helpful guide stands just close enough that I can smell her shampoo. There's a hint of mischief in her eyes. I swallow, despite my growing certainty. Her smile slides into a smirk. She extends a hand. Shit. I take it. How could I not? It's soft and warm and real. I'm Bernadette, by the way, mister. I pull my hand free. Thanks for the reminder, Bernadette. To be honest with you, Bernadette, I'm not really sure anymore. In fact, I don't even think it matters. She's not sure what to make of that. We ride in silence. I get the sense that the elevator is moving incredibly fast, though there are no numbers inside to measure. I can see Bernadette reflected in the shadowy golden walls around us, though once again I see no sign of me. My ears pop. We must be near the top. No sooner than I think it do we chime to a stop. The doors slide smoothly open. I peer out, though I stay inside the elevator. Only the floor is golden here. The walls and ceiling are entirely glass, a single solid piece with no corners or angles. There is nothing above us in clouds below. The engineering required to settle something like this up here. I shake my head. It doesn't matter. Still, I'll humor her. For now. I exit the elevator. There's a U-shaped conference table to my right, near the glass. There are 18 people seated around it. They are politically correct and perfectly diverse. They are ancient, ugly, and bigoted. The same hunger burns in all of their eyes. I approach the table. What What can we we do do for you, mister? It's hard to tell which of them is speaking, as though the words come from them all at once, with only the slightest variations in what is said and when. Yet the message is the same. It doesn't matter. Of course it matters. You've come all the way here and interrupted an important meeting, so it had better matter. Oh? And what important things are you discussing up here in the sky, hidden from the world? We are not hiding. We are deciding the course of humanity. We are good shepherds guiding our flock. We are ruling. I've been to the world. It's chaos. You're not shepherds. Your dog's gone rabid. No better than jackals growing fat and drunk on a world you say is yours. I cannot keep the heat from my voice, though I know their words are nothing. You're no better than the people in the lobby. You might even be worse. This angers them. 
we are not like the ants below. They scurry at our whim and do not even know. And which are they, I ask? Are they ants or your precious flock? You're lying to yourselves. All you do is feast on everything that's beautiful in the world. They're silent for a time. When they speak again, their words are rationalizing and reasonable. So long as there is beauty, there will be those who want to eat it. Why then should it not be us? I just shake my head. It doesn't even matter. I turn to leave. You're right. It doesn't. I hear the first gunshot, but not the second or third. Every law in this world would dictate that I am dead. I return to the elevator, catching Bernadette's gaze as I do. She falls in beside me once more. I look back at the conference table. The room is empty. I glance at Bernadette. I said, take me to the top. She looks confused again. This is the top. No, I say simply. It isn't. She finally stops smiling. You don't know what you're asking for. I nod. You're right. I don't. But it's why I'm here. It's not too late to go back. You can have another name. You can have any life you want. I could come with you. I could finally leave this place. There are tears in her eyes, and I genuinely believe that she means it. You could have power. Real power, not the thing they line up for down in the lobby. Forget about wealth. We could live forever. We could fly. We could be gods. I shake my head sadly. I'm sorry, Bernadette. And it's the truth. Take me to the top. A tear rolls down her cheek. She turns to face the wall opposite the door. A moment later, she takes my hand and leads me up a staircase that wasn't there before. Everything changes again. This time, everyone notices. How can I explain where I come to next? How can I possibly make you understand? Imagine the night sky. Picture it during a thunderstorm. Picture the storm on fire. Imagine being unable to breathe, but also not needing to. It's not even a fraction of the truth I see. Bernadette says nothing, because there's nothing to say. I move toward the obelisk, which is what it is, as much as anything. There are words carved into it. I read them aloud. The world stops and strains to listen. I never sleep, yet always dream. Who am I? Everything changes forever. Bernadette is frozen in time, an insect trapped in amber. I turn to regard myself. I am frozen too, only it isn't really me. It never really was. All this time, I have been here, contemplating this question, an aeon in an instant. I have finally found the answer. Seeing is not understanding, though now I know two truths with certainty. Everything I have been through before this point has not happened, and I have only just become real.
I am the mind. Sanctuary. Directed by Robert Mayling. Written by Robert Mayling. Editing by Malia Lekumsky. The voice of Annette was Megan Holzimer. The voice of Bob was Adam Wells. The voice of the computer was Tiffany Clanton. The voice of Derek was Levi Hansen. The voice of Mia was Emily Wilson. I. Directed by Adam Wilka. Written by Adam Wilka. Music director, Malia Lekumsky. Editing by Robert Mayling. The voice of the narrator was Adam Wilka. The voice of Bernadette was Debbie Jones. The voices of the committee were Malia Lekumsky, Natasha Burry, Eric Edwards, Brody Allen, and Robert Mayling. This podcast is made with love by Edge Case Podcast Crew who thank you for listening. Special thanks to Ari Show, Dominic Weinecke, Amanda Mailing, Deborah Mailing, Joanna Keen, and Peter Pischke. If you would like to learn more about Edge Case Podcast and how you can support the dedication and hard work of our cast and crew, visit patreon.com slash edgecase. This audio production is copyright 2019 by Edge Case Podcast all rights reserved. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Edge Case Podcast. <laughs>